be seated. Thank you. If you have a Bible, would you please turn to Acts chapter 19, verses 13 to 20. Later on, we'll be in Matthew 28 as well. And these are among two key passages that have shaped our church and from where we get our vision and our framework for what we're trying to do under God's leadership. And I want to share some of that with you this morning and where we might be going over the next three to five years or so. So Acts 19, 13 to 20. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. The evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmar. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Our vision as a church comes out of this passage in Acts chapter 19. And our vision in a sentence is to see the name of the Lord Jesus held in high honour throughout the city of Leeds and beyond. And wouldn't it be a wonderful dream to see that in increasing measure, that right throughout this city and right throughout this nation and the nations, the name of Jesus held in high honour. Well, it happened in Ephesus. Verse 17 of our passage says, in the city of Ephesus, the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. And a little bit of digression backdrop to this is a prayer that I keep presenting to God and a question I ask other pastors in all many forums across many streams. Is it possible in modern day Britain for the church to impact the cities in this nation in a way that we have not seen for a long, long time? Not one city in this nation, not one has more than 10% of the people in church at a gathering. Is that how it has to be till Jesus comes? Is there not yet a move of God, a revival of God, where his name will be held in high honour and people will own him as Lord? I pray so. I pray that we will be men and women of faith who will not let go of God until he moves, until he pours out his spirit, until we see that tide change. Why can't Lees have 30% of people in church on Sunday? Do you know if that happened? I am really digressing now. I know this because I'm a nerdy. I've, I've worked it out. I know the figures. If that happened, there is not enough church buildings to hold all the people that that would involve. That's only 30%. In fact, it's the same if you just went to 20%. Oh God, would you do it in us and through us and in our time. See, his name in high honour must never be just a slogan, just words at the back of the church. It must in increasing measure be a value we live by and a prayer we cry out to God. By his grace, 
by his mercy, by his power, his name will be held in high honour in this city and this nation and the nations. And I ask that, that you, if you haven't already, adopt this. His name in high honour. Pray it every day. Pray it wherever you go. His name in high honour on my street, in my neighbourhood, in my city, in this place, in this school, in this, wherever it is. Let's be clear what we are dreaming for and praying for, believing for, when we say his name in high honour. We don't just simply mean that people will say, wasn't Jesus a nice chap? Was he? He was an awfully decent man. Well, we do want people to see Jesus as a good man, but our dream is much bigger than that. What it meant for Ephesus was nothing short of revival. The city was turned the right way up. Ephesus was a thriving port city of over 200,000 people, a big city for its day. It was famous for its temple dedicated to Artemis. In its day, it was one of the seven wonders of the world. And nothing much remains of the temple, but if you go to Western Turkey today, you can do the tour and you can see the remains. It's on my to-do list. Ephesus was prosperous. Very prosperous. And at the centre of its economy was all the paraphernalia that was made and sold around the worship of its gods. It was a very, very spiritual city. That was the DNA of the city. That's how it was made up. It's another aside, but I think that's why God chose to break in the way he did in Ephesus. It, it was the centre of occult practice. It was a hotbed of occult practice. And through the church and the ministry of the Apostle Paul, many in Ephesus became followers of Jesus. Those involved in occult practices repented, publicly burning their scrolls. And the value of which, verse 19, if you look at it in the text, tells us was 50,000 drachmar. That was over a hundred years worth of wages. It shows you the scale of what was going on. No wonder they noted the figure. Such was the impact on the city that the businesses who sold these scrolls and occult stuff, they were in danger of going bankrupt. And some businesses need to go bankrupt. There are some people doing business in cities that need to go out of business. There are people selling drugs. There are people pushing loans that are ridiculous. They need to go out of business in Jesus' name. And there are businesses that need to rise up and flourish because business is good when it's good, when it's righteous, when it's God-honoring. If you read on in Acts chapter 19, you'll see that the business community, this occult practice business community came together. Verse 24, look at it, it says, A silversmith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of Artemis which brought in significant business for the craftsmen gathered the tradesmen together. Verse 25, men, you know we receive a good income from this business and now it is under threat. Praise God for a move of God like that. And if you read on, you will see they actually cause a riot. So when I pray his name in high honour, I pray, God, I want to see your name in high honour, right across the city, infecting businesses and the economy and lives transformed. But please, if we could have it without the riot, that would be my preference. The city of Ephesus is impacted by the gospel. And I love that the impact also included the economy and the business world. Many turn to Christ and leave old ways behind. Salvation comes to the city. Then verse 20, just look at verse 20. It says this. 
In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. How many here this morning want to see the word of the Lord spread widely and go in power right across this city and this region and this nation? God, would you do it in us and through us? I have to pause every time I read that verse. It grabs my heart so much. I pray with everything that I have that through Bridge Community Church, through you and me, the name of the Lord Jesus will be held in high honour and the word of God will spread widely and grow in power, impacting the cities in this nation and the nations in Jesus' name. To help us step forward into our vision, we have a picture that we keep presenting to God. Your name in high honour right through this city and this nation. That's where we want to go. But to help us step forward into the vision, we have a very, very simple framework that comes straight out of the scripture, straight out of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. You can turn to that passage if you want. And the way we've broken that passage down, it just revolves around three words. Um, if you've been here any length of time, you will know these. The go and the grow and the glorify. And they come out of that text. It's a bit of a tongue twister sometimes. Some people don't get the grow, they get glow. Go, glow and glorify. Well, we don't mind you glowing as long as you're growing, all right. So, so Matthew 28, 19, 20. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is the task that Jesus has charged us with. Jesus expects that we are doing this. We see in the text, there is the go. And this speaks of mission. Go, make disciples. There is the need to reach out. We can't keep what we have to ourselves. We've got to reach out to those who do not yet know God. We've got to reach out to serve the poor and the marginalized. Mission is not a luxury. It is essential. Every church, every Christian should have something of the go about them. An outstretched hand. We see also in the text something of the grow. Jesus said, look, go make disciples. But that's not where it stops. Teach them. Teach them, he says, to obey everything I've commanded you. There is the need for every one of us to know the word and live the word. Both of those are important. It's not just about knowing the word. We must know the word. But it's about living the word. We know from what Jesus taught us that we don't live the word in our own strength. It's impossible. We don't live the word in isolation from one another. That's not helpful either. We are to live the word by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are to live the word in community, in fellowship, in friendship with other people. We're all in the race, but we don't run on our own. It's a different race. We run together in this race and we need running partners. So growing in the truth of God's word, growing in the life of the spirit, growing in fellowship are vital. And these are all areas that we plan for and program for and work toward. And I know that fellowship or friendship and connecting with people can be a significant challenge in a big church. And it's something that we really need to work at. In the New Testament scriptures, there are over 50 verses with the words one another in them. Love one another, bear with one another. Over 50 of these. And they apply not just to the person sat next to you. 
They apply to every single one of us. It's all our responsibility to do this one anothering. It's not just down to the pastors. It's not just down to a a team, though we have that. It's actually all our responsibility. Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily. So let me ask you, how do you measure up against that? Encourage one another daily. How encouraging are you? The scripture is exhorting us every day, as regularly as we can, to be an encouragement to somebody. Encourage one another daily. Our prayer and hope is to journey to that place where we are all in relationships where that kind of encouragement and support can flow. The Jerusalem church in the book of Acts was a much, much bigger church than our church. It was a church of thousands, many thousands. Acts chapter 2 tells us 3,000 people were added in one day. Imagine that. That would really sort us out, wouldn't it? 3,000 added in one day. And then Acts 4 verse 4 tells us the church grew to 5,000 men. So with the women and children on top, it's easily over 10,000. And then on top of this, Acts 6, 7 says the church increased rapidly. This is a church of 20,000 plus people in Jerusalem. The Jerusalem church, by all accounts, was a mega church. We don't know how many years it was before they were scattered, but for some years. Then Acts 4.34 says of this church, and this is amazing. Acts 4.34 says, there were no needy persons among them. How amazing is that? We pray and ask that God will help us to journey to that place. And we will work Really, really hard with great intentionality at it. But it's all our responsibility together. Maybe this is an area you feel you could really help with. Maybe you feel, you know, I love connecting people. I love helping people feel connected and at home. I I love seeing all that. I love that whole thing. Well, maybe you could help us with this. Maybe you could join the welcome team. It's a great place to start. What a difference that makes, I can tell you. It really does. Maybe you could join the welcome team. And uh, there's just a list at the information desk out in the foyer. If you want to join the the welcome team, just put your name on there and we'll contact you and talk you through how that might work. Maybe you might want to become a small group leader. And maybe you think, oh, I don't know that I can do that. Well, we'll train you. We'll help you. If you want to do a Bible study small group, we've got loads of material. We can give you the material. Uh, or maybe a prayer group or whatever it is or a prayer triplet or I don't care what you call it prayer cell, whatever but you you just want to form something or maybe you have a number of friends maybe there's four or five people and you think, do you know, we get on okay maybe you could start a small group you could form a small group and we can help bring some focus to that so if you want to do any of those there is this leaflet it's in the welcome area just ask there but you can see it in the boxes And you can just fill this in and it says, yeah, I want to explore being a small group leader or we've got a bunch of friends and we'd like to explore becoming a small group. If you fill that in, I will get in touch with you and I will journey that through with you. Aside from that, um, in the new year, we'll run a course numerous numerous times. It's just one evening. It's just a one-off. And it's a course. It's all about helping you connect. The first one is Sunday evening, January the 26th. I'll run that evening myself and we'll show you all the groups that we have in the church. 
I hesitate to call them small groups because some of them are not small. And it doesn't really matter. But fellowship and care happens in the groups. And so on Sunday evening the 26th, uh, if you want to know every group that we have, uh, we'll, we'll do that for you. We'll talk about how to start a group, how to bring people into a group and try to help you connect. And that's the Sunday evening 26th of January. So we have the go of the Great Commission mission. We have the grow of word, spirit and fellowship. But also in the text there is the glorify. Jesus says, go make disciples. Help them grow by teaching them everything that's in my word. Baptize them, but do it in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, it's not about the name of the church and it's not about the name of the pastor. I care very little about my name. It's not about any of that. It's not about your name. It's not about the name of any of the leaders. It's about his name. We do it in his name for his glory. It's about what gives Jesus the maximum glory possible. It's about expressing our praise and worship. It's about living a lifestyle of worship. It's about loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. It's about serving, giving. It's offering our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which, says the Apostle Paul in Romans 12:2, is our spiritual worship. And it is summed up well in Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. Great words. For whatever you are doing at home, at work, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, these words are wonderful. Colossians 3, 23, 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart. Why? Because it's the Lord Christ you are serving. So in the home, in the workplace, in the church gathered, in the church scattered, in the business place, wherever it is, it really is about his name in high honour. And the programmes and structure of Bridge Street and now Bridge Community Church have flowed out of and been very much shaped by our vision and the go, grow and glorify of the Great Commission. It's just over three years since we moved from our old site at Bridge Street. And it's wonderful to see more and more people joining us who never, don't even know Bridge Street. Never went there, never been there, don't know a thing about it. For some of us, we've known more Bridge Street than we have Bridge Community Church. And it's been an interesting transmission, it, transition. It was a very big move. It was quite a journey, I can tell you. A journey in which we experienced the miraculous. We experienced miraculous provision. I was saying that Andy Good and myself and some others who journeyed all the way through from the beginning to the end, you know, there were prophetic words that were spoken and we stood in places and we were able to say, that word is this. And it's been fulfilled in front of our eyes. We saw this. Let's move to our new site, and this is the right word, catapulted us into a new season as a church. And it's required a lot of adjusting. But after three years, we think we might just about be settled in. Just about. As a leadership, we have been thinking and praying about the way ahead over the next few years when it comes to mission and the go aspect of what we're about. And so I want to share some of that with you in the time that remains, really for your prayers. Really for you to pray in and for you, I'm going to give you lots of prayer points as we go along and I'm trusting you'll pick these things up in prayer so that we can pray together and discern God's will together. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus is 
affirming the Great Commission. His very last words now, before he goes back to heaven. And he's reminding the disciples, don't forget, I've told you what you've got to do. So Acts 1.8, he's building on that in his last words and he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we note at least two things from this verse. We know that the Holy Spirit is essential to the task of mission. We know that using our smarts and having goals and strategies, it's all good. Nothing wrong with any of that. We have them. We do it. But we also know that without the Holy Spirit, we will never have the impact that we hope and pray for. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of mission. When you get out into dark, difficult places, you find the Spirit hovering there. Just as he was in the beginning. Bringing order out of chaos. Bringing order out of chaotic lives. It's what he does. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit and alive to his promptings. We also note from this verse the movement and reach of mission. If Jesus says, look, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that's the local, Judea and Samaria, that's further afield, and to the ends of the earth. There is the movement here from local to surrounding areas to the rest of the world. And I want to use that idea or framework to share with you some of our praying and thinking around this. So let's start with the local. We pray and dream of seeing Bermontoffs and Lincoln Green transformed in Jesus' name. We have no doubt that God has planted us physically here in this location. We have never been a local church. And we're not now. We're more of a city church, a regional wide church with people coming from cities beyond Leeds. And we thank God for that and all that he's doing in us and through us. Nevertheless, our Jerusalem, if you like, for this location is Bermontoffs and Lincoln Green. As an area, it is incredibly diverse. It sits in the 1% of the most deprived communities in the country on anything the government measures. Each summer, some of you will know because you have joined us, we have prayer walks the area. Most Thursdays and other nights and people have done it other times. And we prayer walk and we start in Lincoln Green Square where we have the shop, that area there that's just a wonderful ministry and a presence right there in the midst of it. And we prayer walk and we go up to, uh, we went to St. Peter's Primary School, up to Shakespeare and prophetic words would flow and we'd pray. And prayer breaks up ground. Prayer does more than we realise. And we'll do the same this next summer as well. And do you know, it would be great for every single one of you to be with us. One night, over 40 of us, just prayer walking, stepping on the land, claiming it for Jesus, calling out to God to move. Many prophetic words have been shared. And one of them noted the names of some of the streets as we walked round. Cromwell Street, Shakespeare Street, Beckett Street. And the word said, just as these are great historical figures, God wants to do a great work here and make the area great again. If you think of these three words, freedom, family and faith, these are words for you to grab up in prayer. And you can prayer walk or drive through that area and pray anytime you want. You're all on the prayer team. Is that okay? All those in favour. Yep, you're all on. Good. So, you can do this anytime you want. You don't need permission. You don't need to come and ask me if you're going to go pray. Don't do anything silly. All right. But go pray. Pray what the place. Freedom, family, faith. If God speaks to you, write it out and let me have it. 
I have folders full of prophetic words. I read them, I look at them, I pray over them. So you can be as prophetic and as spiritual and as on fire for God as you want to be. Freedom, family, faith. These capture what we are praying for and what we are working toward in that area. And you could pray those words over your own street or anywhere in the city. So freedom. Debt, addiction and unemployment are significant issues in the area. We've researched it, we've talked to people, we know this. We have partnered with CAP. Malcolm has done an incredible, incredible job. He really has. To begin to minister into debt issues. And we we have people who are now debt free because of that ministry. We have people, you've heard their testimony, who've been here. We've baptised them there with us. We partner with Teen Challenge to minister into issues of addiction. And we're partnering now with Spear, as you have heard today, to begin to tackle the issue of unemployment. And in the 16 to 24 year old bracket, let me tell you, these are very, very broken individuals with confidence in the minuses, set up to fail, set up to believe they're good for nothing, but in the kingdom of God, they're good for something. By God's grace, we will help them become the men and women that God intended them to be. Pray for that team. It might be next week. I think they're going to walk into Bermontos and walk the streets looking for young people. If they're allowed to, they might do some door knocking. They're just working with the council on that for it to be targeted. And just pray that God will open doors and God will bless and we'll see captives set free in the name of Jesus. We have seen people come to freedom. And it's only a trickle. But by God's grace, we will see more in the name of Jesus. With regard to family... We partner with charities like Zarak, who have now given over 300 beds. 300 beds to families where children were sleeping on the floor. But the thing is, they weren't sleeping. It was hard for them to get to sleep. Bug bites and all sorts. And Bex saw this. She's a deputy head at Shakespeare. Heart was moved. They weren't sleeping, so when they came to school, they were struggling, they weren't concentrating. It was affecting their education So she, with our support, set up this charity, as you know, Zarak. 300 beds. Many of you have given duvets and pillars and pyjamas and toothbrushes. And together, we have been a great blessing to many families. And they know it. There's a leaflet that goes with every single delivery. With the love of Bridge Community Church. We partner with Kids Club, which every Monday evening, in term time, buses in over 300 children from the most deprived areas in the city. Seven buses. Many of you have volunteered for it. 340 plus children right here in the auditorium where you are. It is wonderful. It is wonderful in those meetings when the leader will say, children, if, if you have something you want to bring to God, something you need prayer for, just put your hand up and we'll come and pray with you. And hands go up all over the place. And staff start to go and pray with these children and they encounter God. They really do. Our splash time, mums and toddlers ministry reaches and supports many local families with a Tuesday afternoon session just for them, just for Leeds 9. And we're hoping to start another session just for Leeds 9 in the new year. We've partnered with Make Lunch. So during the school holidays, providing a nutritious lunch for low-income families. The BBC got wind of it and they came and you might have seen it on Look North and and it's just great. 
With regard to faith, it was during another one of the prayer walks in, in the area that someone had a picture of crowds of people coming from all over the area. Just crowds of people wandering from all over the area. And then they noticed that while they were coming from different parts of the area, they were all heading for the same place. They were all heading for the church to gather to worship Jesus. We say, may it happen in Jesus' name. We say, your kingdom come in the name of Jesus. And some of you who know the makeup of that area know what a miracle that will be. I have a little insert here. Uh, this just came to me this week. In, in 2015, Bermontos and Lincoln Green was in the 1% most deprived areas in the country just before we moved here. The new figures are out. 2019, the new figures are out. Andy Lenton was in a meeting with councillors and stakeholders and people. Then I, I, I got the, uh, the document. I took a snapshot of it. It's too small to show you on the screen. But the 29 figures are out. And sadly, numerous areas in the city have declined, have got worse. Some of you know, what weren't in the 1% are now coming to the 1%. But it actually says, and I'm going to read the text, it says, four have improved. And here I quote the text. These areas are still some of the most deprived in Leeds. However, the deprivation rankings have improved for four years, but most notably, Lincoln Green in Jesus' name, which is now no longer in the most 1% deprived nationally. We say, thank you, Jesus. If you look at the point system, which I have and Andy Lenton has, the point increase for Lincoln Green is absolutely out of proportion with anywhere else in the city. I think that's God. I really do. I think God is on the case and God is answering prayer. And we say more, Lord. There's a long way to go. But it's a cloud the size of a man's hand. But the rain is coming in Jesus' name. The rain is coming in Jesus' name. And so I pray freedom and flourishing over Bermontoffs and Lincoln Green. We declare that who the sun sets free is free indeed. We pray for the families to be strengthened and to thrive. We pray for many hundreds in the area to come to faith in the name of Jesus. So that's the local. That's our Jerusalem. Let's move into Judea and Samaria, which is Leeds and surrounding areas, or Yorkshire for Jesus. How does that sound? Yorkshire for Jesus. There are a number of prophetic words that we continue to hold on to and pray into. And most of these have come from you. And one of them is that uh, we would be a strong mother that would be fruitful in giving birth to babies. It's over 25 years ago we planted a church in Boston Spa just outside Weatherby. And uh, it's still going strong. And I meet with Pastor Steve Thompson regularly. Our relationships is great. The mother-daughter is just a great relationship. And that church is growing. It was just five years ago, 2014, we supported Manisha and Natasha in planting a church in Chandigarh, northern India. And as you know, Karen and I have been out there and we've prayed with them and we've met the leaders. And, and that church is growing, really growing. And Manisha and Natasha just so love BCC and, and our support them and your prayers for them. And at the heart of what we want to do is to be led by the Spirit. And so I ask you to pray. To be open to God's leading and to reach out into areas where the church is not well represented. So we're not looking to plant churches in areas where the church is really strong. We're not looking to rock up next to churches and steal people from those churches. That's not what we're about. We, we are looking and saying, God, 
where, where, is the, where is the church really needed? And yes, we can church plant. We could do multi-site, which is, you know, have a number of sites, but you're one church. We could do either of those things. But I'm saying to you, pray. Pray as we enter this season of the strong mother looking to give birth to babies as God leads, as God directs. Reaching out into areas where the church is at its weakest. Another way of doing this is missional communities. Missional communities are teams of people set up with express purpose of reaching a specific community. Missional communities may last a couple of years and maybe then they've done what God intended them to do. Missional communities can last many years Perhaps become another site or a church plant, all depending on God's leading. We are open to this. I have a pastor friend whose church has numerous missional communities. And a small group of people in his church had a real heart and passion for one particular community in their city. And and the way you set up a missional community starts with prayer. You pray walk the area, you seek God, you listen to the voice of the Spirit, you see what... The Spirit is saying and you do all that praying. And and they came to an understanding and they had the skill set to do this, that they were to start a community choir. So they hired a community hall, started the community choir, and they were shocked at how many people came. They reached so many people. Friendships grew, support grew, people came to faith, they baptized people. They reached people in a way that the Sunday morning service was never going to do. Now, Bridge Street would never call this a missional community, but I guess it was back in the 60s. Some people in Bridge Street had a passion for Gipton. Now, who in the right head wants to go into Gipton? Well, there were people back in the 60s with a real passion for Gibson. Colin Wilson was one of them. Louis and Silver McGowan were others. They're still with us today. And they had a passion to reach out. into. It's minuted in an elders meeting. We have minutes going back. Oh, such a long way. Bernard Howe in the meeting is talking about bringing the gospel into Gibson. And so together they decide they will start a children's ministry. They will start a Sunday school in Gibson. And they hire a little hall called Eden Hall right there in Gipton, 1966. I am a six-year-old living in Gipton. I go to Eden Hall Sunday School. My first contact with God and the people of God. And I'm here today because of them. I'm stood here today because of faithful men and women who did something that was very difficult. It was not easy. Yes, God bless them. Thank God for them. I wouldn't be here today without them. Missional communities are dependent on people with a passion for a particular group or community. People carrying a sense of God's direction. People willing to pay a price. Maybe, just maybe, there are people like that here. We are open to listen, to pray with you, to seek God, to hear what God might be saying. I pray that God will raise up Davids and Esthers from this congregation in Jesus' name. Men and women who served God in their generation before they fell asleep. David served God in his generation before he fell asleep. Esther was there for such a time as this saved the nation. I believe there are men and women here today who carry that kind of anointing. For a community, for a people group, for an area. Pray, oh God, raise up the Davies and Esthers in Jesus' name. 
I pray that God will raise up people who will know their God and do exploits. People through whom the word of God will spread widely and grow in power. So finally, as we've considered our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria, we think of the rest of the world. I can't think of a time when we as a church didn't support overseas missions. It's very, very much part of our DNA. It, it excelled in our church, in our DNA, under Lionel and Ruth's leadership. Their heart for this was incredible. And they moved that to a place that it is today. But it's very much part of our DNA and history. And each year, we give away a percentage of our income to missions. Last year, we gave away 15%. By God's grace, as pastors, elders and trustees, we've agreed we'd like to give away 30%. That's where we want to get to. Give away 30% of our mission. Maybe one day we'll get to 50%. I don't know. For the work of mission. This year is a step in that direction. We're going to give away 17%. We would love... To see many of you going on mission. Going overseas. Stepping out of the boat. Getting out of your comfort zone. See when you. It's alright being in the boat. It's okay. But as John Hopberg said and he's right. If you want to walk on water. You've got to get out of the boat. And there are some experiences that you will not have in God until you step out. And maybe a short term mission. A week, two weeks, what it is. Is a great step for you. We'd love to see all of you go out and experience mission. Maybe out of that, some of you will go on to long-term mission work. And again, our preference is to go where the church is not well represented, to the least reached people groups. So as a leadership, we put together a, a wonderful missions policy, which you have to do these days. You've got to tick the boxes to make sure it's run well. And a, a brilliant missions team. And this missions team all have great experience of mission and they are really keen to serve you, to help you get out on mission. And you could go anywhere in the world, really anywhere in the world. The missions team is broken into three areas. Pastor Lenton oversees the whole thing. There is the local team, there is the global led by Benji Good and there is the mobilizing training led by Helen Tremonier and Kingsley. And you're going to hear more about this because next week they are taking the Sunday morning service so you can see them, hear them, talk to them, begin a journey of where God might want you to get out the boat and have a go and see where it leads. So I really need to bring this to a close. I received an email back in July. It came in via the website and I'll read part of it to you. Good afternoon, my name is Ruth, and I work for the University of Leeds at St. James Hospital, so I walk past your building twice a day. I live near Hull, and I am part of the leadership at Hull Vineyard Church. And there were some other things in the email to help me know that she wasn't a crazy person, she was a very, very responsible person. So I say these things only so you know I'm in accountable relationships, senior Christian leaders, and I've thought and prayed carefully before sending this email. I frequently pray for your church as I walk by. And some time ago I was praying and I felt the Spirit led me to the phrase culturally relevant and eternally significant. It is my ongoing sense that there is a prophetic anointing on this, that you are a beacon for the kingdom in this time and in this generation. I say thank you Jesus. Thank you God. And this prophetic word does not stand in isolation. It affirms so many things. 
So many words, some that have come from you, whether it's from people who know us or people who don't know us, God is saying something to us. God is calling us somewhere. God's wanting to stretch us. He's wanting us to take us into something perhaps we've not been to. Maybe into areas that are not so comfortable. I don't know. But God is on our case and he's drawing us into that place. So I pray that we as a church will be culturally relevant. And by that we don't mean hip or cool. Or I'm going to start preaching in a white suit and sunglasses or anything like that. We mean connecting with people where they are. Getting alongside them in their situation. Understanding where they are. Understanding what's formed their culture and their identity and the way they tick. Understanding people. Loving people. I pray for every one of you that your life will be eternally significant in Jesus' name. I pray that with all my heart. In John 15, Jesus says, if you abide in me, here's what will happen. It's in the word. Do you know, I want to encourage you this morning, do not believe the devil's report over your life. Do not believe the careless words of men and women. Believe God's word for your life. Believe his report. And here it is, John 15, Jesus says, if you abide in me, you will produce much fruit. And he goes on to say, not only will you produce much fruit, but you will produce fruit that will last. Or fruit doesn't last. Fruit rots. And Jesus is telling us, if you abide in me, if you stick with me, you are going to do things that will have eternal significance in Jesus' name. And I pray for an abundance of that fruit in your life in the name of Jesus. I pray we will be That beacon church. With our lights shining so brightly. That in the words of Jesus in Matthew 5.16. People will see our good works. And glorify our father in heaven. I pray that the light which shines from us. Will result in many coming to faith in Jesus. And the poor and the marginalized blessed. And the economy and the business world transformed. I pray that through us. I really pray that through us. The word of the Lord will spread widely. And grow in power. I pray that the name of the Lord Jesus will be held in high honour. Throughout the city of Leeds. Throughout this nation. And to the ends of the earth. In Jesus name. Amen. And Amen. Let's stand together friends. Let's stand. I know time has gone. But I do want us to sing this. This closing song. Jesus shall take. The highest honour. Let it be. Let it be our song. Let it be more than a song. Let us live our lives to see his name held in highest honour. Wherever we are, wherever we do. I pray that you are the fragrance of Christ everywhere you go. I pray that where there is darkness and difficulty, you go in the place and there is light in Jesus' name. I pray where there's confusion and struggle, I pray when you go in that place, something changes. That you change the atmosphere. You change the temperature. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The overcomer lives within you. Miracle worker. Life giver. Lives in us. So God help us to this end. Jesus shall take the highest honour. Let's sing it as we close.